So, you know, it has been a sad week. Uh, as, as you know, you've been following on the news. It's been a sad week. Uh, every week is a sad week, of course, but this week's been especially sad. There's always something going on in the world, which if you just think about it like a little bit, it just makes you sad. Uh, and this is a sad week. I mean, school shootings bring the depravity of the world into sharp focus. Uh, what kind of world do we live in? I'm sure you've all been wondering this this week. What kind of world do we live in where teenagers... Uh, mentally ill teenagers can arm themselves with war weapons and walk into schools, murder entire classrooms filled with teachers, children, after posting about it on social media. Oh, what kind of world do we live in that that can happen? Uh, apparently this world. Apparently this is the world we live in. And, and that's what we've been talking about uh, during this series about sin. Um, excuse me. Uh, kids, Right? Um, we've been talking about sin and uh, how it, uh, it's bad, excuse me. We've <laughs> um, been talking about sin and uh, how it impacts us and how it, it uh, harms us. And uh, the point we've been making in Scripture uh, is Scripture doesn't really define sin. Preaching while crying. Uh, preaching does, the Bible doesn't really define sin, but the Bible describes sin. And the Bible um, uh, describes sin using different words and pictures and, and images. Uh, and we've talked about different ideas that the Bible uses to describe sin, like uh, wandering and uh, addiction. And uh, last week we talked about uh, pollution. Uh, and, and one of the points I tried to make two weeks ago is that the stakes of sin are high. Uh, sin wants to kill us. Sin wants to kill us. Uh, and that's what we saw this week at, at Ovalde. Sin, the destructive, murderous power of sin. I mean, sin kills. Sin marches into schools and kills children. And people. We're just lucky that we weren't there. Uh, in fact, I read a book last year about sin. It was a book uh, by John Owen, who was an old Puritan English guy. Uh, the book was really intense. It's not light vacation reading. But I remember one little stanza from this book, and, and here it is. Uh, do you mortify? Do you make it your daily work? Be always at it while you live. Cease not a day from this work. Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. Be killing sin, Owen says, or it will be killing you. Sin kills. Sin wants to kill us. Sin wants to march into our schools of the schools of our hearts and murder us, which is why, according to Owen, we got to kill it first. That's what this series is about. We want to know what sin is so we can kill it, so we can mortify it. And thank God we have the means to do that. We have the weaponry. We don't have worldly weapons. We have heavenly weapons. We have the sword of the spirit. We have the shield of faith. We have the word of truth. We have the power of grace. But we have to wield them. We have to arm up. We have to take aim because sin doesn't wait, sin wants to kill. So we've got to kill it. And I know that's violent, I know it's pr provocative, I know it's dr dramatic, but this is, the, this is the teaching of scripture too. What does Paul say to the Galatians? He, he tells us to crucify the flesh. Same thing, kill your sin. Crucify the flesh before the flesh crucifies you. Because it wants to. We are school buildings and sin is running around inside of us so, in the words of Owen, do we mortify? Do we make it our daily work? Are we always at it while we live? 
Cease not a day from this work. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. This is not actually my sermon, but it's where I felt I needed to start. So I want to take a minute to pray and then we'll continue on with the series. Let's pray. Father, it has been a tough week uh, for everybody. We pray for all the families, all the kids down in Evalde, everybody everywhere who is impacted by this one way or another. Every week is terrible. And this was this week's terror. Uh, it's because we're all sinners. And sin kills. Uh, but we thank you for how we can be rescued in Jesus Christ. I pray that you bless those families, bless our mourning, so that we can grow as saints who battle sin. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Uh, jump into the next installment of our series, but first, let me show you this video. Well, in the movie Contagion, came out in 2011, uh, we marveled, we're fascinated by how a deadly virus could spread so rapidly around the world. Who knew, 10 years later, that our society would be dealing with similar circumstances. I mean, as the coronavirus spread, how many times did we all just kind of feel like we were in a movie? Uh, but I didn't show you that clip or bring up the coronavirus to drag up bad memories or relitigate any pandemic-related battles. I showed you that clip to make the point <clears throat> related to a point uh, on our series here. Like I said, uh, we're talking about the many ways that the Bible describes sin. And one of the ways that the Bible describes sin is as a disease. It's a contagious illness. And, and this is something we can all relate to. Uh, we all know what it's like to be sick. In a weird way, COVID has bound us together as a, fam as a planet filled with sick people. Uh, as of last Thursday, for example, there have been a combined 527 million, million cases, confirmed cases of COVID. That's not including all the cases that weren't reported. So by now, a great many people have had the coronavirus or know someone who had. Uh, my entire family had COVID. It was not fun. Uh, personally, I felt I took all the precautions I feel like I needed to take, but even I got it last December. It was a relatively minor case, but it was still miserable. Didn't lose my sense of taste or smell, nothing like that, but I had a fever. I had the chills. I was weak. My brain slowed down. I was weak. and I, I was so weak. I was so like foggy-headed. I couldn't even watch TV. Like The TV shows like, confused me. You know, Ross is dating who? And... <clears throat> It was, it was terrible. It was terrible being sick. I was isolated. I was tired. I was humbled. You see, I, I pride myself on being a relatively healthy guy who doesn't get sick very often. I am sick with pride, but COVID knocked me out. Uh, and since then, I've actually gotten very, very sick, like twice since. Like the Lord is determined to humble me here. I had a terrible head cold in March that knocked me out. And then last month, I had that stomach bug that all the kids got. It was going around the schools. So all the kids got it and Pastor Matt got it. And it was miserable. I have, I have never, I've never thrown up so much in my life. And I hate throwing up. I'd rather die than throw up. I was, I was in the middle of like dry heaving, like, you know, your body is like twisting beyond your control and like purging things that aren't even there anymore. And I was literally praying like, Lord, take me now, please take me now. I am, I'm, I'm happy to be done right now. We all know what it's like to be sick. We all know that feeling. Even if you're one of the lucky few who didn't get COVID, you know what it's like to be sick. Being sick is miserable. And here's the point. The Bible says that being a sinner is like 
that. Being a sinner is like being sick. In fact, the, the scriptures sometimes even conflate the two ideas of sinfulness and sickness. Some theologians even refer to them in a single phrase. They call it sin sickness. To be a sinner is to be sick. For example, here's how uh, David describes it in Psalm 38. He says, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Your arrows have pierced me. Your hand has come down on me. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. There is no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I have bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about in mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. Amen to that, right? There is no health in my body. I am feeble, utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. So the writer David is saying he's literally sick with sin. His sins have made him sick. God's judgment on his sin has made him ill and he's miserable. He's pierced, he's overwhelmed, he's in pain and he's not sick because he got the flu. He's not sick because he picked up the stomach bug probably from his eighth grade daughter. He's sick because he's a sinner. There's no soundness in my bones because of my sin, he says. In scripture, you see this connection between illness and sin. Even Jesus makes the connection between sin and disease. As he says in Mark, it is not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, the healthy, but the sick, the sinners. To be sick is to be a sinner. To be sinner is to be sick. Now what does that mean exactly? What does it mean to be a sinner is to be sick? Well, I think the Bible uses this idea, it's a metaphor, and I think the Bible uses this idea to teach us a couple really important lessons about what sin is and about what it means to be a sinner. Two lessons in particular. What does disease, that's the question, what does disease teach us about sin? Well, first, it teaches us that sin sickens. When sin infects us, sin sickens us. Just like disease and viruses sicken our bodies, so does sin sicken our body and mind and soul and community and world. What do I mean by that? Well, what happens when you get sick? Generally, when you get sick, our body doesn't work the way it should. Usually, our body's invaded by something that shouldn't be there, a virus or a bacteria, and this foreign body inhibits our actual body from working properly. Maybe a virus infiltrates our body, starts destroying cells in an organ that we just happen to depend on. Maybe there's like a tumor that's pressing on a vein or something. Our health suffers, our mind suffers because we're sick. This is what sin does to our soul. Sin sickens us. Now, sometimes this is literally true. I mean, if we drink and we smoke a lot, we're not going to be very healthy. We're going to get sick. If we sleep around with a lot of people, we might get an STD. If we eat unhealthy or treat our body badly, we're going to get sick. I mean, some, sometimes the sins of laziness and promiscuity and uh, gluttony and addiction, sometimes those sins literally make us sick. But also when we get, our souls get sick, Right? Not just our bodies, but our souls. I, I know people, for example, who are sick with materialism. 
They're just not well. You know they're not well. Their greed has made them sick. I know people who are sick with narcissism, selfishness. They aren't well. They think about themselves all the time. I've known people who are sick with depression. They aren't well. They cannot escape feelings of self-loathing and darkness. They're sick. I know people who are sick with social media addictions. They're not well. They post so much on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram that you wonder, how do you have enough time to like, live your life? Their brains are sick. In fact, while I'm talking about it, do you know, do you know that the people who run social media companies are experts in brain science? Did you know this? They designed their product to addict our brains. These are brilliant people who know how to hook our brains chemically on their product. Basically, the people running social media companies are drug pushers. And, and we are the addicts looking for the next hit. That's just one example of the way sin makes you sick. Sin harms us from living well, as God designed us. But sin doesn't just make us sick. Sin sickens us yet. But here's where this gets worse, because if you thought the news is bad so far, it gets worse. Sin doesn't just sicken, sin spreads. This is what disease does, it spreads. Sin spreads. And this is what viruses do. They spread. Viruses, bacteria, look for a nice warm host where they can reproduce, and then they spread. Viruses and bacteria, they're not like content just to kind of find a little, little spot to set up shop in your, in your body and just like stay there. It's not what viruses and bacteria do. They need to like take over. It's like in their DNA, in their constitution, you need to take over so they can kill you, but they have to be able to spread to another body so that when you die, they're still alive. Sin does that too. Sin looks for a nice warm host where it can spread through the body and then infect other bodies. The Bible makes this point too. And it makes the point using a really interesting image. It, uses, it makes this point using the image of yeast. Maybe you know what yeast is. Maybe you're familiar with sort of the Bible's teaching on yeast. But Jesus talks about it. So does Paul. Yeast has been around for millions of years. Yeast is actually... I'm going to talk like a chemist, but I'm not a chemist. Um, in case you've ever wondered, is Pastor Matt a chemist? No, not a chemist. But yeast is a microorganism that uh, consumes sugar in food. Um, bakers use it to bake bread. Brewers use it to brew beer. But it, it reproduces by eating the sugar in the product, and then it produces bubbles, air bubbles, which, you know, make the bread rise. And the Bible actually picks up on this. People have known how yeast works for a long time. And the Bible picks up on this as an example of how sin spreads in people and communities. Jesus said, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees. It's not saying, hey, the Pharisees bake bread and you don't want to eat their bread. <laughs> They're like, oh, that's it's a tasty Pharisee bread. Like, no, it's a metaphor. The Pharisees were Jesus' religious opponents, and they were teaching things that Jesus knew could spread and make the community sick. So he says, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees because it might come make you sick. And the Apostle Paul deals with a situation in the book of 1 Corinthians. He uses the same metaphor. Uh, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth to deal with some moral problems that they're having at this church in Corinth. Apparently in this church in Corinth, there was a, a church member, a guy, who was sleeping with uh, his stepmom. 
also a church member. It's one of those types of churches where that happens. Uh, And Paul says, no, don't do that. And not only don't do that, kick them out. Kick them out. Like, send them away. Why? Because behavior like that spreads. As he says, don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? This is one of the Bible's points. Sin spreads. Sin isn't content to make one person sick. Sin spreads into relationships, into churches, into nations. Sin gets passed down. Sin gets passed over. I mean, for the past couple of years, we've all been obsessing over how COVID spreads, right? Does it spread through droplets, through physical contact? Can it spread through masks? What kind of masks? All important questions. But it pales in comparison to the larger question. How does sin spread? How do we get it? Well, we're infected by sin in all kinds of ways. For starters, we're sinners because our parents are sinners, including our first parent, Adam. As Paul wrote to the Romans, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men. Sin, death, spreads through heredity. But not just that, sin spreads through bad examples, We pick it up from others. Sin spreads through manipulative leaders. Leaders lead us into sin. Sin spreads through peer pressure. We're forced into sin. Sin spreads in all kinds of ways. Through touch, through the air, through contact, through droplets. Sin spreads. All that to say, this is just another way that the Bible describes sin as a contagious disease. It's a metaphor that the Bible uses to tell us what sin is like. Sin sickens us to the point of death. It doesn't make us well. And sin spreads to others through us. Now, this is bad news, right? It's bad news. There's the sin of death out there in the world. It can kill you, and it's spreading. It's bad news. Now, there is good news here, and I'm going to tell you about that. But I don't want to just jump right to the good news. I want to do some reflection first. I feel it's important to remind you that the purpose of these messages on Sunday morning is not to entertain you. The purpose of these messages is not to get you to come back. The purpose of these messages is not even to interest you. What's the purpose of these messages? The purpose is is to change you. The purpose of these messages is to change you by the power of the Holy Spirit as we study the Word of God. That's the purpose, to change you. And you cannot experience change unless you're really willing to look deep and hard like with a microscope at who you are. Now, of course, that is hard to do on Sunday morning. There's so so much going on here at Sunday morning. It's hard to have deep, introspective self-reflection time. But we can at least get the process going. So here's a couple of reflection questions that I encourage you, plead with you, to just think about. First, how is my sin making me sick? How are my bad, selfish, immoral decisions sickening me as a person? I mean, do you really even believe that you're sick with sin? Because you are. You're sick with sin. It's not a cold. It's a deadly, it's a deadly like, sin virus. How is your sin making you sick? Secondly, how is sin spreading to me and through me? How is it infecting me? Where is it coming from? 
And how am I passing it on? Because we are all spreading sin. Even if we feel all right, we're spreading sin. Even if we're asymptomatic, we're spreading sin. We're breathing sin all over everyone around us. But how? I cannot answer those questions for you. You and the Holy Spirit will need to think about those. And maybe with the input of some loved ones and counselors. But I can't answer them for me. Uh, Sin is making me sick, question one. Sin is making me sick in lots of ways. Uh, For example, I can be a very selfish man with my time and with my emotions. I don't give my family my best, in particular. That's how that plays out. As a result, my family life sometimes lacks health and vitality. Also, I can be too eager to impress people. I want people to think well of me. So I work too hard for the wrong reasons, or I care much too much about the wrong things. This is not good for my mental health. Makes me sick. Also, I like to entertain people. I like to be the life of the party. I like to say funny things. Sometimes these things aren't that funny. Sometimes they're actually kind of hurtful. Not good for the health of my relationships. In all kinds of ways, I'm a very sick man. Now, if only my sin sickness were, like, confined to me, that would be one thing, but it's not. And that's the point. Sin spreads through me, especially as a pastor. Sin spreads through me. How? Well, let's reflect in all kinds of ways. For example, sometimes I gossip. I try not to, but sometimes I just do. I'll say things, pass along things that maybe aren't entirely true or, you know, cast somebody in, you know, not too positive a light. Also, I spread sarcasm. Not anything you want to spread around that much. I, there was a visitor here to Rooftop a few years back. So I, I really love Rooftop, but there seems like this sarcastic vibe here at your church. I'm like, I might know why that is. What else do I spread? I spread ignorance. People come up to me all the time because they think, oh, Pastor Matt, he'll know the answer to this question. I feel this pressure to look like I know what I'm talking about. So they ask me a question. I'm like, I have no idea, but... I'll come up with something that even sounds pretty good. And then they like pass it along. Well, my pastor says, I'm like, oh my gosh, do not feel, do not fill the world with my ignorance. So no, I'm not sleeping with my stepmom. Yes. It's important that you know that. Uh, for the record, I don't have a stepmom. Not that I would, you know. Cover all the bases here. Not sleeping with my stepmom. But still sinner. And it makes me sick. Like David, it lays me low. It overwhelms me. And I spread it around. Like Adam, I spread it around. I spread it to my children. I spread it to my church. I spread it to my family. I spread it to my community. I spread it like COVID. I'm like the woman in, in Walmart who in the early days of the pandemic was just so angry. She just went into Walmart. <coughs> I'm like that. Just spread my sin around. And if you're tempted to judge me at this point in the sermon, now is when I remind you that you should not do that. (laughs) Because we're all sinners like this. You're sick with sin too. You're sicker than you even know. You're so sick you're dying. You know you're dying because you're a sinner. And you're spreading your sin around. We're all sick with sin. We're a bunch of sickos on one big sick planet. We're sick. Not sick like as in awesome Sick like, oh, this is a problem. That's the bad news. Finally, what's the good news? There is some. We are sick, but we are not hopeless. 
Uh, last week, Skylar uh, talked about sin as pollution. He said one of my favorite Skylar things he's ever said. Um, if you remember this, he said there's a solution to your pollution. Remember that? One of my favorite Skylarisms ever. Well, he inspired me. Skylar inspired me. Not only do we have a solution to our pollution, here's good news. God has a prescription for your affliction. On top of that, not only that, God has an injection for your infection. (laughs) Bam. God, God has a vaccination for your inflammation. How long do you want to go with this? The thesaurus is really big. One, 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 one more, one more, one more. God has a remedy for your enemy. Not enemy. No, this one's not as intuitive. Got malady. That's right. God has a remedy for your malady. Malady. Praise God. He has a remedy for your malady. Anyway, that's the good news. Jesus has a prescription for your affliction. So, what's the prescription? Well, you came into the doctor's office this morning, came to the doctor's office of church. I'm going to send you home with three prescriptions. You know how the doctor like, just starts writing sheets of paper? I'm going to give you three sheets of paper. You're not going to be able to read them. And you got to run by Walgreens, turn them in afterwards. And they're like, what is this? So here they are, three prescriptions. First, be healed. Prescription number one, RX1. Yes, you are sick with sin, but you can be healed. I mean, this is why Jesus came into the world, to heal you. I already told you what Jesus said. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I'm not coming to call the righteous, but sinners. Uh, Jesus introduces himself in the Gospels as the great physician. He can heal you. Now, sometimes when I say healed, you know, I mean healed. I mean, sometimes God actually heals people. I believe that God does that. He takes away their sickness. He binds up their wounds. Sometimes miraculously, sometimes through medicine. But you also need to know that Jesus' bigger concern as your doctor, as your great physician, is not to heal you of your sickness here on earth. His bigger concern is to heal your soul. And that's our real problem. Our souls are sick with sin. And what's the remedy? The remedy is grace. The remedy is forgiveness. It's like the story of the paralytic in Mark chapter 2. You know the story of the paralytic in Mark chapter 2? Favorite story? It's right on my forearm. I'll tell you about it anytime. In fact, how about now? So in Mark 2, there's, uh, there's this guy. He's a paralytic. And some friends uh, bring him to Jesus. Jesus is teaching in a crowded house. And cool band name, Crowded House. And they, they bring this paralytic guy to Jesus. They can't get him in. So what do they do? Climb up to the roof. Dig a hole through the roof, right? You could do that back then. And they lower their paralytic friend down in front of Jesus. And the guy like falls down in front of Jesus. And Jesus looks down. And Jesus is so impressed by their faith. What does he say? Son, be healed. No. It says, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, just to be clear, that's not why the guy came. The guy came to be healed. So imagine him, like, thank you. (laughs) Um, Is there anything else you want to do for me today? And they have a little exchange. Jesus actually heals him 
but only to prove to onlookers that he had the authority to do the more important thing, which was forgive him of his sins. Jesus knew what his real need was. So instead of healing him, he forgave him, and he only healed him to prove they had the power and the authority to forgive him. Jesus knows what our real problem is. He understands, this is the point of the story, forgiveness is more important than healing. Spiritual healing is to be forgiven. So be healed. By healed, I mean forgiven. Be forgiven of your sins. You can start by confessing them. As we've read in the book of James, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another, so that you may be healed. That's prescription number one. Be healed. Prescription number two. Stay healthy. It's one thing to get healthy. It's another thing to stay healthy. Of course, I don't mean here you stay forgiven. I mean, once you're forgiven, you're forgiven. But we still have to stay spiritually healthy. How do you stay spiritually healthy? Well, how do you stay physically healthy? You tell me. How do you stay physically healthy? What do you do? You exercise. You eat the right things. You go see your doctor. Take medicine. Same thing with spiritual health. Every single one of those actions has like a spiritual parallel. How do you stay spiritually healthy? You eat the right foods, not fruit and veggies, but you eat scripture. You eat prayer. You go to the doctor, like regularly, not your physician, but to your church. You exercise, maybe not on the treadmill, but through spiritual disciplines of fasting and service. And also, you stay away from disease. Sometimes it means staying away from sick people. We have all been practicing social distancing uh, for the past couple of years in order to slow the spread, right? Now, I want to be careful here because I think Christians should not be afraid to serve and engage sick people. I mean, Jesus wasn't afraid to extend compassion on the sick. He actually reached out and touched sick people when nobody else would. So I want to nuance my point here. But at the same time, we're not Jesus. We don't have a strength. We don't have a spiritual immunity. We're vulnerable to sin and sinful influences. And if we want to stay healthy, we have to avoid disease because it wants to contaminate us. This was Paul's prescription to the church in Corinth. He warns the Corinthians about the yeast of sin that was spreading among them. And he goes on. Here's what he says. He says, do not associate with sexually immoral people. You must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. Now, there's obviously a lot to discuss there. But Paul's point here is that people need to protect themselves from sin. Sin doesn't stay put. Sin spreads through people. This is why, I mean, to be clear, we welcome anybody here at Rooftop, regardless of your sinful past, regardless of anything. You're happy to be here. But we, we're happy to have you here. But we do have standards for membership and standards for getting involved. And similarly, you and I should have standards for who we spend our time with. A, a, a friend of mine was trying to break some bad habits in her life, and she came to a deeply important realization the other week. She said, you know, I think I need some new friends. I'm like, yeah. I think my friends are bringing me down. Like, yeah, that's how that happens. As Paul also writes to the Corinthians, he says this, purge the evil from among you. Pur like, like you're being, you know, like you're dry heaving. Purge. <laughs> purge it. Get it out of your life. Because it can infect who you are. Maybe there are people in your life who are not good for you. Maybe there are podcasts you listen to that are not helpful for your soul. Maybe there are social media platforms that are bad influences. Are you willing to social distance for the sake of your own health?
Be healed, stay healthy. Lastly, share the healing. Yes, sin spreads. Sin is like a virus. It just spreads and spreads and spreads and spreads. Sin, if you remember that video at the beginning, sin has a, a high r not factor. Remember what an r not factor is? It's the rate of spread of disease. If the factor is higher than one, then it's bad because it's spreading. One person is spreading. It's more than one person. If it's below one, it'll die out. Uh, the r not factor for the coronavirus is anywhere between like one point something and like over five. But that's high. But not as high as the r not factor for sin. How many people does one sinner transmit sin to? How many people have we, I mean, this terrifies me to think about, how many people have we spread our sin to? I'm a pastor. I've spread it all around St. Louis. Dozens, hundreds, thousands. If your name is Adam, billions. Sin is highly transmittable. But you know, the only thing more transmittable than the power of sin is the power of God. The word of God, the good news of Jesus, the gospel of grace is also highly transmittable. In scripture, the only thing that spreads more than sin is grace. One more time. In scripture, the only thing that spreads faster and further and deeper than sin is grace. And we see this, especially in the book of Acts, in Acts 12. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. That word spread is used in the Bible primarily in two contexts with respect to sin and disease and grace. And the only thing that overtakes the, set, the spread of sin and disease is the spread of grace and the power of God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit spreading through the world. We spread sin, God spreads grace. And here's the crazy thing though, God spreads grace through sinners like us. He makes us well so we can spread the healing to others, so that we can tell them about Jesus, about his grace, about his power, about his truth. Because we all know sick people. We were all sick once, but we've been cleansed. We've been healed. We've been forgiven. We've been made well by the medicine of Christ, but there are many who are not. I mean, we've seen that this week. We live in such a sick world filled with psychopathic teenagers and hurting families. We live in a sick world filled with war and violence and psychopathic teenage dictators who won't stop. We live in a sick world filled with death and disease that won't stop. And we have the cure. We have the injection for the infection. We have the prescription for the affliction. We have the remedy for the malady. By the power of God, we can stop this pandemic if we're healed, if we stay healthy, and if we share the healing.